wanted to just extend a little bit of gratitude today to all of our listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Invest in Square Feet. We put in a lot of effort, a lot of work into trying to put this together and answer people's questions that they might have. I was talking to one of our guests this week and he asked a little bit of information about our listeners. And I realized that I don't necessarily know all that terribly much about who you might be. So wanted to extend an invitation to feel free to email us at matt.shields at investinsquarefeet.com. And that is invest, sqft.com. So it's the short form of square feet. When you email us, just let us know a little bit about you and what types of things you're interested in learning more about. All right, so on Invest in Square Feet, we unlock the secrets of wealthy entrepreneurship. I'm Matt Shields, and my goal is to help you and your business protect your wealth so that you can invest passively into multifamily real estate. Today, we are going to be learning from Brandon Kumar Asami. One of the most important things about being an entrepreneur, the ability to be able to communicate effectively. Brandon has some amazing tips and strategies that we're going to go over here today. These are the exact same tips and strategies that high-level entrepreneurs, CEOs, and managers all use to be able to better their ability to communicate. So no matter if you're looking to be a better presenter, a better speaker, or just a better communicator to everyone in your life in general, these are going to be some tips and strategies that you're going to be able to use to easily perfect your ability to communicate. So with that, let's get on to the tips. So for me, just to paint the picture, I'm a 22-year-old kid. I'm broke. I have a phone. That's it to record videos. I don't have no experience editing videos. I actually didn't edit any videos for the first year of MasterTalk. It wasn't a business. I never knew you could get paid to be a coach. And the reason is not because I'm some philanthropist. It's because IBM was paying me a lot of money to work there. And I was going, oh my God, like this is my future. I wasn't thinking MasterTalk was going to be a business. I was thinking it was going to be a hobby. Because at the end of the day, it's like, okay, I don't have time to coach these students anymore because I have to work a, a 70 hour a week job and provide for my family. It's time for me to go into the real world. So I'm, not, I'm just making videos to just support the next generation of students. And I got a crooked left arm and I started making videos in my mom's basement. That's basically how MasterTalk started. So at the beginning, there was no traction. But the reason I got to a thousand subscribers really quickly was because of goodwill. Since I had coached 70 people from the ages of 19 to 22 in business school, and I was super involved in, in my community in Montreal, everyone knew about the channel, even if it was terrible, because they knew about the coaching I had done. And they're like, oh, well, if you're making free videos. So that's really the first piece of advice comes from. I made content to solve a problem. I never created MasterTalk to make myself famous or something. I'm far from it even today. But it was more from saying, hey, like this small community of 70 case competition people need this content. So if the next 10 years is another group of 70 who joined the program, there's probably 700 people who are going to watch my stuff. I just didn't expect it to be more. And then later in life, probably nine months into MasterTalk, I got really lucky, Matt. I went to Columbus, Ohio for Summit of Greatness, which is a, an event that Lewis Howe is a podcaster hosts in his hometown. And I met my business partner there who's 20 years older than me. And he's the one who helped me turn this into a business. Talk a little bit about 
some of your techniques, your strategies that you feel a lot of people may not necessarily understand when they when they're looking to to be able to speak or present or anything like that. Well, like what's some of your tips to be able to make better speakers? For sure, Matt. You know, I think what was missing in the space largely falls under three categories. And then we'll get into the tips. Simplicity, practicality, and generosity. When I started Master Talk, my thought at the time, obviously I didn't articulate it as well as I do now, but at the time it was, okay, the tips aren't simple enough because a lot of PhDs are coaching on communication and the lingo is too complicated. The second one is practicality. Like how do we make communication tangible? Let's say we want to lose weight, which is the case for both of us. Let's use that as an analogy. The steps are pretty simple. Eat less food, less junk food, less soft drinks, exercise regularly. If you do that for two weeks, you'll probably lose one pound, most likely. So when you weigh yourself on that scale and you see a one pound goes down, that creates momentum. Wow, this is working. And then you accelerate results. That little win, that burst of energy does not exist in the communication field. Or at the time, it wasn't communicated well. And generosity, just sharing the tips for free, just to help people who can't afford a coach, which is the aim. So for me, what this boiled down to is communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time. One of those balls is body language, one of them is eye contact, some facial expressions. So for me, the question has simply been, what are the three easiest balls to juggle? So let's start with number one. Number one is the random word exercise. Pick a word like headset, like phone, like wall, like home and create random presentations out of thin air. And this serves two main purposes, Matt. Number one is it helps you deal with uncertainty. Life is filled with it. When you go to a networking event, when you meet new people, if you can't deal with uncertainty, it's hard for you to make an impact. And the second piece that people can write down if they want is if you can make sense out of nonsense, you can make sense out of anything. So if you can talk about avocados for 30 seconds, it's really easy for you to talk about your subject matter expertise when it's time. I, I yeah, I love that. I love that advice. And out of curiosity, have you ever taken any um, like improv classes or anything like that? Out of curiosity, I've done some. I'm not professionally trained or anything, yeah. but I've probably done maybe five or six sessions. But I'm definitely an amateur. Yeah, yeah. And the reason why I ask that is because, God, probably ten years ago now for this too, ten maybe maybe longer ago than that. I also took a improv class for sales. And very much so the same thing. And I'm curious what your perspective is on this. The way that the improv training works is essentially we as people get in our head too much, right? And we, we start trying to think through all of the sentences and everything and trying to talk about the, the next sentence that I'm or thinking about the next sentence that I need to say. And it just slows everything down, right? Whereas with improv, it teaches you to get rid of all of that and just sort of go with your subconscious and just just speak, just get the stuff out there. And it was, the results were profound. They recorded us before and we just did, I don't remember what the presentation was, but just something, some short presentation. And then they recorded us afterwards. And I think this was a week-long seminar. We did another recording afterwards. And I mean, there were people that were bashful who you know weren't confident up there. This completely opened them up. And I'm curious from your perspective, you know, is that part of it is getting out of your own mental way, if you will, right? Where, you know, again, you're a subject matter expert. Stop trying to think about every little thing that you need to say and just your subconscious take over and, and say it. Is that kind of part of this? Absolutely, Matt. And I, and I love the story that you told and great to see the transformation that people are going through. And those facilitators are right. You know, at the end of the day, it's about 
really focusing on the system, the system of how to get better. So if I exercise every day, I'll naturally get healthier. But we just don't apply that same logic to communication. And what that one week training did is it forced people to do the reps. The only caveat I'll add to your share is the version that I like to teach is maybe people might be afraid to go to a seven day seminar unless they're really talented executives. And those, those are usually the cases where they get placed into these corporate trainings. So those people already have a strong foundation. But the argument that behind what I'm building is 90% of people won't even go to a Toastmasters. They'll go like, oh my God, I don't want to attend the meeting, let alone speak. So for me, it's about doing what you said, but the easier version first, which is the random word exercise, in my opinion. And the reason is because you don't really have to do it in front of every, anybody. You could do it alone in your basement when nobody's watching, nobody's listening to you. And it's very easy to get the momentum started. So in the example you gave, it might take five to seven days for people to get results. But with a random word exercise, it could take as little as 60 minutes. If you're really intense about it, if you do the random word exercise like 40 times in an hour, in the second hour, you'll go, wow, this is really easy. And then you'll start to apply that logic and communication mastery in general. Yeah, yeah. Your random word reminds me of another game that we played at that seminar was called Ding. And you have you know, one of those little countertop bells that you ding normally for service, right? And you were basically given a subject and you had to start presenting on the subject. And there was someone with one of those bells. And every time they rang the bell, you had to completely change your story. But you wanted the story to be able to you know, kind of flow together, right? Where, you know, it's not like a completely different direction that doesn't make any sense. But like you automatically make that shift. And again, subconsciously making that shift, not thinking about where this story is going you know, you're going to make this change into a completely different, different realm, but that transition makes sense. So again, it's like you said, you know, getting the reps in and understanding what happens when you kind of just let go, if you will, right? You know, that's incredibly, incredibly powerful. Talk a little bit about what your students have done once they've understood the power of being able to, to speak publicly and present well. What are some of those results? What have you seen from your customers? Yeah, for sure, man. You know, you know, the way I like to see it is that the principles are the same, but the context and how that advice is applied is different for everybody. That's why for me, the question for everyone listening is a simple one. It's just one that we never really think about because no one's asked it. How would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? But what's fascinating about that question, man, is the answer for all of us is very different. So if we take my three niches and the people who invest in communication, who are generally high-level executives or managers and above, they're coaches who are already doing six figures in their business, and they see it as a vehicle to close more sales, present better in webinar formats to, to get more business and create more impact. And the third one is the entrepreneur, who's either raising capital or is really bad at sales presentations, but the product's excellent. He's just, he or she is just really bad at at convincing other people that it's just as amazing as they built it or created it to be. So in that context, they'll all do the random word exercise a hundred times in two weeks. I'll force them to do it. That's the difference between, I guess, a personal trainer like me, quote unquote, and just listening to the information is the result is forced. So then what happens, but the way that that result gets contextualized, that person changes. Example, for the executive, because I'm doing so many random word exercises, when my boss in a corporate meeting is asking me a question or when I'm being interviewed for another role, I'm a lot less anxious about it 
because I'm not being asked what my favorite color is. I'm not being asked to talk about the color blue in a presentation. I'm just focused on what I'm doing and the role and responsibilities I'm delivering back to the company. And the second area is the entrepreneur. So if I'm doing a lot of random word exercises, if I go to a networking cocktail or I go to an event where there might be key relationships that I could build, it's going to be really easy for me to make small talk because I've talked about avocado toast. So regardless of how that conversation is going to go, I'm going to be a lot better at thinking on my feet. Same thing with coaches, let's say on a strategy call. We've all had that weird call where they just ask you bizarre questions that have nothing to do with the service you provide, and you have to just pivot. You know, They might ask you about your grandmother. They might ask you about your life. And your job is to build a rapport with them. So the random word exercise becomes really helpful. So the answer in a short form, Matt, is the same principles are taught, but the application is completely different. That is really, really interesting. And I picked up on something that I wasn't necessarily thinking of with this you know, when we started this this talk, I was expecting this to be about getting up and standing up in front of people. And obviously there's a big element of, you know, making that presentation, right? But you just said how to be a better communicator, right? So this this is sort of going through all areas of life because again, communication is everywhere, right? So do you have a different approach if someone's goal is to be able to be a better presenter? and like tips or tricks for the person who, who's looking at presenting things versus the person who just wants to be a better communicator to everyone in their life. Does that make sense? Absolutely, Matt, right? Because it's nuanced, the difference between public speaking and communication. In my view, I'm sure other people who are more technical than I am at this, they'll draw differentiations between both. Honestly, I'm not one of those people. For me, it's all one and the same. It's you learn the principles, you build up a stack of foundation so you just get better over time, whether you're speaking on a stage or honestly with most of my clients, they're not even speaking on a stage. They're acing corporate boardroom meetings. That's actually the main idea or they're crushing sales calls. Because at the end of the day for me, and it would be great to define this actually, for me, the definition of communication is the same as public speaking, which is how do we convey an idea in a way that achieves a specific outcome for a specific audience. For me, communication, once again, is how do we convey an idea in a way that achieves a specific outcome for a specific audience? But that could mean a plethora of things. That could mean, hey, go on a stage and sell $50,000 worth of product. But that could also mean, hey, convince your wife or husband that, hey, let's have Mexican food tonight and not Chinese food. That's all communication. But then the way we learn it changes. So now going to your nuanced question, I'll quickly cover ball two and the three which is ball number two is the question drill. So the question drill is we get asked questions all the time in our life, man. On a podcast, at school, at work, most of us are not ready for those questions. I'll give you an example with me. When I started guesting on podcasts, I wasn't the slick. I was a kid, remember? And I still am one, technically. And I remember some guy asked me, hey, Brendan, where does the fear of communication come from? And I looked at the guy and I was like, I don't know, man, Los Angeles, <laughs> New York City, you tell me. So how did I get better? All I did, man, is every single day for five minutes, I answered one question that I thought the world would ask me about my expertise. So day one was, how do you overcome your fear of communication? Day two was, what tips you got for introverts? Day three is, how do I improve my eye contact? But if you do that every day for a year, just with five minutes, man, you'll have answered 365 questions about your industry. But what's amazing about this exercise is it's multi-purpose. 
it doesn't just help you with boardroom questions that you get. It doesn't just help you with a podcast or a sales call. It also helps you prep better in a presentation because if you can guess ahead of time and just reflect, what are 50 questions that my audience will ask me about my topic and you pre-answer them, that Q&A period in your presentation will be a joke. Interesting, interesting. You said that there is three three balls, right? Like you're juggling the three balls. Did we do the third ball yet? I don't think we did the third ball yet, right? Yeah, you're a great listener. You know, the reason I always stop after two is because I don't want to monologue for 15 minutes, but you're absolutely no, right. But I love it. I love it. <laughs> so look, ball number three is the video message. So make a list of three people that you love the most in your life. It could be a spouse. It could be a, a friend. It could be a client. And send them a 20 second, not a 20 minute, but a 20 second video message to just show how much you appreciate having them in your life. What's great about this exercise is it has one key rule. The rule is you're not allowed to retake the video. So if you do this three times a day with a group of different people or the same people, you'll have sent a thousand video messages after a year. And one thing I do, which is a little bit extreme, but it helps me stand out, is I have a Google calendar that tells me when it's my client's birthday or a dear friend's birthday. So literally when it's their birthday, I put a stupid birthday hat on that I bought for 15 bucks on Amazon. I take up my phone and I go, guess whose birthday it is? It's yours. I hope you have a wonderful day. And it always, it always makes people's day because I'm pretty much the only doofus who's sending them a crazy birthday video message yeah. out of everyone in their life. But it also is endearing you to them as well, right? You're, you're helping build that relationship because again, that not very many people do that at all. So what are some of the common I guess, challenges that people come to you with when it comes to communication, right? Like, so some specific types of things, like what are some of the, you know, obviously everyone has a, a fear of public speaking at one point in their life or another, and, you know, some people get over it, but what are some of the other challenges besides, you know, the fear side of things that you help people get over to be able to become a better communicator? Yeah, for sure, for sure, Matt. So for, for me, the perspective has always been, there's an infinite amount of challenges, but there's a finite set of solutions. So for example, let's say somebody could say something, hey, I'm struggling with a keynote I have coming up, and that's their problem. But the solution is still the same. Work on the fundamentals, do the random word exercise, and then as they get better, then the, the feedback becomes more contextual. So then it says, okay, so now we've done the random word exercise. Now let me take a look at your keynote and see what we can work on better. And then that's one way. The other way, which is a lot more complex, and I don't do a lot of this. I only do it if I really love the client, which is high stakes communication. So high stakes comms just means a publicly traded C-suite executive who, sorry, a C-suite executive works at a publicly traded company might come in, have me sign an NDA and go, these are the 17 things that are happening right now for this earnings call I need to take or this boardroom meeting I need to do. So I'll listen to all of the information and then I'll go, this is how you solve the problem based on my understanding of it. And then they'll go in with that specific solution and then get the result that they're looking for, whether it's more capital, whether it's satisfying their shareholders, et cetera. That's a lot more complicated, I guess, for today's purpose. But I think the, the idea here, the general idea is what I found is it doesn't really matter what the challenge is. The answer is almost the same. The real challenge that matters actually isn't the fear. I would argue there's a challenge even greater than fear, which is motivation. There's so many things in our life, man, that we've accomplished. Getting married, having children, asking somebody on a date, applying for college, starting a podcast, getting a job, making a business, starting one. Yet, every single thing that we've accomplished in our life is attached to fear. 
So there's nothing that we're proud of that has zero fear attached to it. Yet when it comes to communication, we go, oh, I'm scared. So I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. But we don't apply that, that logic and anything else in our life. That's why for me, the biggest challenge that I get clients to focus on is not the fear, but rather is your motivation great enough to even work on the communication skills in the first place? Because all the tips I've taught today, especially the way I teach it, it's really simple. It's not like I went into a super complicated high stakes communication framework today. I said, do the random word exercise, send a few video messages, and just answer two or three questions, even one every day that you think somebody will ask you. But nobody does that consistently for 30, 60, 90 days. And if you just did that, you'd be a lot better at communication. That's why the frame becomes, take some time to reflect on how would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? Because if you do that, you'll find a reason that's greater than your fear and you'll just do it. Yeah. Do, do you have any tips on sort of automating that workflow into your daily routines, your routine cycles and all of that to make sure that, you know, it's always in front of your face. You don't forget to do it. You get those reps in, you know, any, any thoughts there? For sure. So, so let me give you the easy one, which is obviously pay for the accountability. So then you're just forced to do it. But for those of you who can't afford a coach, what I've found is that the best way to automate this is often integrating it into your family life. So let me give you an example. Let's say for somebody listening, they might have children, a significant other. They might have a few nieces and cousins or nephews rather who live nearby. It's always better to practice with them. So let me give you the the context for somebody, let's say in their 30s, 40s, 50s. They have two kids, let's say five years old, nine years old. And here's what you do. You just go up to them and say, let's play a game called the random word exercise. And you have them give you a word. You do the random word exercise and then you give them a word. So that it doesn't feel like practice anymore. It doesn't feel like a chore. It feels more like family bonding time. And that's a lot of the feedback I've gotten with executives, which is, you know, Brendan, when I go home, my family is just watching TV. So when I do the random word exercise, it gives me an excuse to talk to them and build a relationship with them. That's also true when, let's say, they're picking their kids to and from school. Don't put any music. Just do the random word exercise five times or six times. And that's the best way to integrate it outside of hiring a coach that will get you results. One other thing that I always like to say as well is everybody showers. Hopefully, people are listening to this podcast. You got 15 minutes there in the shower. You're not doing anything. So do the random word exercise there. That's another easy way to implement it in your daily routine without it taking even a minute extra of your time. Yeah. And I love that one too, because you kind of have to get over the embarrassment of anyone else who might hear you, right? Like there's there's something to be said about like singing in the shower, talking in the shower, where, you know, you have this pent up anxiety about letting anybody hear you. But if this is something that you want to get over, you know, that's a perfect opportunity to be able to, to, you know, get over that as well to, you know, just get out there and, you know, kind of make a fool of yourself. I mean, so simple. I would have never thought to, you know, incorporate the other people in my life into the practice of, you know, bettering my communication. So I love that. I love that. Are there any other tips or anything like that that you can think of that we can employ again into our daily lives or daily routines to be able to, again, become a better communicator? Absolutely, man. So I'll give you ball four and five. So ball four is more of a PR message I always like to send, which is the best way to speak is to speak. So if you want to get the result from this podcast and listen to it, it's very simple. Here's all you have to do. And most people won't do it. Book 15 minutes in your calendar every single day to do the random word exercise. 
to do the question drill and to do the video message. The problem always when I'm on a show, Matt, is people listen to me, they go, wow, where'd you get this kid, Matt? He's so cool. He's like sharing all these really cool tips and then they don't do them. And that's why the ball four is the best way to speak is to speak. You can listen to me and you talk all day, but the reason you're such a great communicator, Matt, is not because you listen to me, it's because you had the courage to start the podcast, whether it was a year ago, five years ago, whenever you started it. And that's why you're great at it. And I'm sure the your, the way you interview people today is significantly better than episode one. And that's really the key. You get rewarded to take action, not just by listening to the show. That's four. And ball number five is called the puzzle. So communication, Matt, is like a jigsaw puzzle. You know those uh, toys you used to play as kids, you got like 500 pieces, put them all together. So now the question becomes, when we work on a jigsaw puzzle, which pieces do we start with first and why? And the answer is the edges. Because the, the edges are easier to find in the box. Just pull them out of the box, get those little edges to them, work your way to the middle after that. Why am I bringing that up? I'm bringing that up because when we prepare for a presentation, unfortunately, we do the opposite. We shove a bunch of content into our presentations. We ramble throughout the whole thing. And then the last slide sounds something like this. Uh, ma'am, uh, thanks. Not the right approach. So instead, what you want to do is practice your presentations like a jigsaw puzzle. Start with the edges first. Do the introduction. 10 times, 15 times until it's perfect. I know that sounds like a big number, but it actually isn't because your introduction's two minutes. So this is a 30 minute exercise. Same thing with the conclusion. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? Last time I checked, terrible movie. Same thing for the conclusion. 15 minutes at the end, excuse me, 10, 15 times, two minutes each, 30 minutes total. After an hour, you'll feel like you have the best introduction and conclusion in your life. Then work your way into the middle and you'll do just fine in your next presentation. Yeah, I love it. And I'm curious, do you recommend that people record themselves with this as well? And the reason why I ask that is because in your, your ball four, you mentioned how taking the podcast, for instance, the original podcasts were completely different than what they are right now. And same thing was true with the uh, improv class that I took as well, right? Big improvement from where I started to where we ended. So everyone is so instant gratification. Everyone needs instant gratification today, right? So this is a way to be able to see your progress, measure your progress, be able to see, okay, a week ago, a month ago, this is the way that I was presenting. This is the way that I'm thinking about things. Now, today, this is the way that things are you know, being presented. I've made such huge progress just in that short amount of time. And then, you know, again, you can check in on yourself every month, every six months, whatever it is. But is there an element to, again, getting that gratification, seeing that progress, seeing how much you've improved from when you started to where you are today? Is there something there as well to be able to kind of ingrain this in, in people as well? Here's the nuanced answer I'll give you, because the answer is both. It's yes and no. So what do I mean by this? Yes, in the sense, you're right. And I get my clients to do this right? You record yourself. That's how you get the result. You see the progress immediately. You get excited. But the reason I'm saying no as well is because I'm very cognizant of the audience listening. Most people who are listening to this podcast, Matt, don't even want to do the random word exercise once, whether it's recorded or not, just based on the hundreds of conversations I've had with my audience, maybe in thousands at this point. 
So here's where I'll draw the line. Ball number one, the random word exercise. That's, there's a reason that's ball number one, not ball number three. So start there, kind of like a diet plan, a fitness plan. Start there and don't even move on to ball number two until you've done a hundred random word exercises. Not 10, not a million, a hundred. A hundred sounds like a big number, but it really isn't because the random word exercise only takes a minute to do. Five minutes a day, you're done in three weeks. Or if you're intense, you do it 10, 20 times, you're done in like a few days. And the point here that I'm driving is we do not get points for doing the exercise well. We get points for doing the exercise a lot. And I have never met a single human being in my life, Matt, who comes up to me and says, you know, Brendan, the first time I did the random word exercise was a lot better than my hundredth time. Could I get a refund on my time that I spent? Nobody has said that to me. Every single time, Matt, even if you never record yourself, you never look at yourself, you never get feedback from a coach, I can swear in blood that if you do this a hundred times, guaranteed you will see some level of and the level will differ based on the person, but you'll see clear improvement. That's the first piece. Then we go to ball number two. So ball number two is we don't move on to the video message until we've done a hundred question drills. And what's great about this exercise is you don't even need to come up with the questions. I'm practicing the question drill right now because you're asking me questions. And I always say this to every host, like, you don't have to send me the questions. It's fine. Just send me, just throw anything my way. And I'm practicing it. So what's nice is you can go back to your audience or colleagues of yours and have them supply the questions and just do one every day if you want to get it done in three months. But if you're crazy like me and you do 20 a day, you'll be done in five days. Then you go to the video message. So that's really what I'm pushing, Matt, is when we're doing this a lot, then we gain momentum. And then your advice becomes really good at this point. Because when you get to ball number three, your mindset around communication is very different from experience. It's like, oh, I've done the random word exercise a hundred times. Question drill is really easy. I'm so much more comfortable in the boardroom. Now I have the base level confidence to say I can totally record myself and do this. And then that's when your advice is really keen. All right. My notebook is full after this episode. So we're going to go through how we learned to be able to be a better speaker. And I love the analogy that Brandon used with being able to juggle these various different balls. And he gave us the top five balls that we should be focused in on. So I'm not going to go through each one of these and explain them again, because we just went through all of them in the episode. So we'll just go through and name each one of them. So if you remember, ball number one was the random word exercise that can be done with friends, family, your kids. So great way to be able to involve the family into your betterment. Next, ball number two was the question game. And that was where you thought of all of the possible questions that someone may ask about your business product or service. And what that does is it allows you to be able to think through the answers to all of those questions. So as you are presenting this, you're going to be much, much quicker with all of those questions. And obviously, if you do this one question a day for a year, by the time the year passes, you've compiled and practiced the answers to 365 possible questions that people might ask you. And to ball number three, that was the video that you were going to send out to friends, family, and colleagues. And the most important part of this ball was to make sure that you understand that you can't 
redo the recording. It's one go and you have to use whatever it is that you come up with. So that, remember, this is prepping you so that when you are in front of people and you're doing this live, you can't take that back again. You have to go with whatever it was that came out of your mouth. So that is preparing you for that type of situation. Don't try to make it perfect. Everyone screws up a little bit when they are up there presenting and communicating with people. But the goal is, the tip is to be able to make sure that you don't get distracted by that thing that you might have not delivered exactly the way that you had thought it would be delivered. Ball four was pretty easy. We just want to schedule time on the calendar every single day to do the random word exercise and doing the question drill and also the video that you're going to deliver to someone. And again, I love the analogies. Ball number five included another one. When you're preparing a speech or a presentation, there's obviously a structure that you typically go through, just like when you're putting together a puzzle. And this was a great framework that Brandon used to be able to explain this part of the process. He equated this to a puzzle because the way that you typically work on a puzzle is you find all of the edges, you find all of the straight lines, and you do that first. So just like a puzzle, you're putting together that outside edge. You want to put together your intro and your outro first, and that sets up the tone for the rest of the presentation. What most people don't understand is they'll concentrate so much on whatever the content is, and maybe that content is great, maybe it's okay, but if you start really strong and you end really strong, those are the things that people are going to really, really remember. And even if your presentation was not that terribly great in the middle, but again, you end strong, they're going to consider that being a successful presentation. So those are some tips from Brandon. And I know that I'm starting to incorporate some of these into my schedule to be able to make myself a better presenter and speaker. If you want to learn more from Brandon, head over to YouTube and search for Master Talk. He has hundreds of videos there that can help you learn to speak and present. You can also head to rockstarcommunicator.com and join a live session where Brandon leads a group of people for free through some of these different training exercises. And remember, if you want to understand what the wealthy do, head over to investinsquarefeet.com and sign up for our newsletter. We release some unheard of tips from our various different speakers. And we also will publish all of the investment opportunities that we may have available there to our listeners so that you can understand what type of passive investment opportunities we may have running at any one time. Invest in Square Feet drops every Wednesday on whatever podcast platform it is that you use.